0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to jump into the message today. It's a kingdom culture. We've been on this group of talks around this topic, kingdom culture. So we're going to continue that. you got some sermon notes there in your worship guide and uh, also on your UVersion Bible app. You can get those on your phone. Sermon notes available because uh, note takers are world changers. We believe that. So if you got your Bibles though, come on, e family, Mount Carmel, North City, whoever is watching, wherever you're watching, we get excited about the Word of God because it is the hope for our life. So when we open it up, we get a little bit pumped and, and uh, so let's do that. Open them up today to Matthew chapter 13, <laughs> Woo! Matthew 13, kingdom culture. Anybody ready for the Word? That went about three rows deep. Anybody else ready for the Word back there? All right, all right, all right. I love it. All right, good to hear from you. Good kingdom culture. What do I mean by kingdom culture? Remember when we're talking about all these parables? I believe there's seven of them in uh, the chapter, chapter Matthew, chapter 13 of Matthew, and uh, they talk about the kingdom of heaven. And when I say the kingdom of heaven, most of the time we think about that place called heaven. But when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, when John the Baptist was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he was not talking about the geographical place alone. He was talking about the kingdom of it, or we define that as the foundational principle components of heaven, the system or the culture of heaven or how heaven operates and how it functions. We figured, uh, realized that culture, according to Webster's dictionary, says the set of attitudes, values, goals, and practices of a society. So the kingdom culture that we're finding out is the attitudes, values, goals, and practices of the kingdom of heaven. So we get our values from the kingdom of heaven, not from the kingdoms of this world. We get our culture, we get our values from the kingdom culture, not from societal culture. We get our beliefs from the kingdom culture, not society's culture. I'm not getting my values and my goals and my beliefs from Snapchat. Snapchat. I'm not getting my values, goals, and beliefs from Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or from the national media. I'm not getting my values from any of those places. I'm getting my values from the kingdom of heaven. What heaven says is right is what we need to say is right because what heaven says is right is right. Whether we like it or not, it's the way it works. So Matthew chapter 13, let's uh, take a peek at this and see what God wants to say today. I'm going to start reading in verse... 24. This is the parable of the wheat and the tares. Wheat and tares. My kids used to make fun of how I say wheat. They'd say I, like, blow when I say wheat. Like, what are you supposed to say, wheat? Like, I like wheat. Like, wheat thins. Wheat? Is it wheat? Never mind. Sorry. Stay focused. I'm already off the rails, and I haven't even read all verse. Pray for me. Verse 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, make note of that, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Speaking of the tares, he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares. And bind them in bundles, bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come and teach us the word. We desire to know the truths of the kingdom of heaven. We desire to know what Jesus wants us to learn out of this passage. So I pray that you open our hearts. I pray for rhema revelation to flow today, that you get all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen. All right, so here's what we're looking at, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Let's see what Jesus is talking about. Talking about the kingdom of heaven, verse 24, he again says, the kingdom of heaven is like, so the culture of heaven or the system of heaven is like, so he's prefacing it, I'm going to tell you what the system of heaven is like, right? He said, it's like, um, what could I say? He's like, um, it's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So the kingdom of heaven or the system of heaven, the culture of heaven is like a man sowed Good seed in his field. So we see right from the get-go in this parable that Jesus was saying that the system of heaven is, a, is again affirmed to be like sowing seed. This is so important for us to get in Christianity. It's undertaught, so it's under practiced. We need to understand that the kingdom of heaven works on the basis of sowing and reaping. It's not based on entitlement. It's not based on whatever God wants me to have, he'll give me, and I have no say-so in it. It is based on sowing and reaping, according to Jesus. The system of heaven, not the system of man, the system of heaven is based on this. It's as if it's like a man would sow seed or a woman would sow good seed in his field. So it's like sowing seed. Remember the word sowed means to scatter or sow seed for what kind of growth? For future growth kingdom of heaven works like this. We do something now to experience something later. We sow into something now so that we can see the benefits of it later. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. I'm going to read to you out of Galatians chapter 6. It says, do not be deceived. Whoop, whoop, whoop. That should be red alert. Sorry, I woke some of you up. I'm sorry. <laughs> do, not be, do not be deceived. In other words, whatever I'm getting ready to say after that is kind of important. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You ain't going to play God. You ain't going to fool him. You're not going to make a mockery of him, his system. Here's how his system works. For whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever a man sows or a woman sows, it's gender neutral. Whatever a person sows, that, that. What's that mean? Whatever they sowed, that they will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Here's what jumped out at me in those verses, and I highlighted it for you on the screen. It says this, for he who sows to will of the flesh reap, or will of reap, or will reap of. So whatever we sow to is what we will reap of. Here's what the scripture is teaching us. Here's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It says, he who sows to will of the reap. Whatever you sow to is what you will of the reap. If you're wanting to experience a new life, a new different way of thinking, a new attitude, then whatever we sow to is what I will reap of. So if I sow to this friend group, I need to know what kind of people they are because I will reap of what I sow to. What I give my time to, I will reap of. We've all got, let's say, 16 hours a day, waking hours a day, if you really get a lot of sleep. If you get eight hours of sleep, praise the Lord for you. God bless you. So if you get eight hours of sleep, Whatever we do with those 16 hours is what we will reap of. I'm not going to reap of what you sow. And you will not reap of what I sow. What we sow into is what we will reap out of. So this is what we got to base our our lives on. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. We shall reap. If, big condition. If what? If we... Do not, this is how it interacts with, works with me when I speak. When I speak and I pause, that's because I'm wanting you to fill in the blank. Because I'm, I, my greatest desire is not to entertain people, but to instruct people so that they get it. If you don't get it, I've wasted my time. And so I want you to get what God is trying to say to you. So let's try, try it again. So now. Where was I? So we will reap if, if, conditional statement, if we do not lose heart. <laughs> you guys are quick learners there. So if we do not lose heart. So I, I, I like to think about things. So he's telling me I shall reap if I don't lose heart. Here's what lose heart means. It means to relax. Ooh. To lose motivation. Ouch. To, to become discouraged or give up. Ooh. Oh, oh, so if I will reap, if I do not lose heart, what if I do lose heart? It will affect what I reap. It will affect what I reap. So let me give you this and we'll move on. Sowing and reaping a harvest in any area of your life requires two things. Ready? And when I say reaping, that means getting the benefits of it, right? You don't have to be a farmer to reap. It just means you get to actually experience it. You actually get to have it. Sowing and reaping requires two things. Number one, intentionality. You cannot sow accidentally. You have to be intentional. You will not reap accidentally. It will be intentional. So you need intentionality. You have to live with a motivation and a focus of I'm going to see my life change because I'm intentionally doing these new habits instead of my old habits. I'm going to change this in my marriage because I'm intentionally doing this now and not doing that. I'm going to change the way I live because I'm, ta- I'm getting out. I'm intentionally not hanging around that friend group. I'm hanging around this friend group. I'm putting myself in a place to prosper or succeed. I'm putting in myself in a position to grow into what I want to become. I want to be this kind of person. Then I got to sow into it. It won't happen accidentally. Number two. Number two, it, need, it needs perseverance. Intentionality, that's great. We can all be intentional for an hour. But it requires perseverance. 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 Are you still doing it today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day? You gotta keep doing it. You're gonna reap. You're gonna, you're gonna do it. You just gotta be intentional and you gotta persevere. You gotta reap the benefits of hard work. Uh, we're seeing that, you know, in the Olympics. I think the Olympics are over. But you know, you need to know this about the Olympians. When they get on the stand and they bend over and they put the gold medal around their neck, that's not when they won. That's when everyone acknowledged how they really went, won. When they really won was every Tuesday that they got up out of bed when they wanted to sleep and they went and trained wherever they needed to train. That's when they won when they overcome wanting to eat everything in sight and they discipline themselves and said, no, I'm going to stick to the plan. Everybody wants to be in this moment. Nobody wants to roll out of bed, go to the pool and start swimming at 5 a.m. That's the difference. Everybody wants to be successful in Christianity, but nobody wants to, "Oh, oh, okay, let's open this up and read it. Let's, let me, oh, I, got, I got to get up and pray, pray, Lord, today I choose to serve you. We want the victory, the crown, the gold medal moment, but we got to do the training in order to get there. All right, that's, let's, let's move on. All right, so the, goal, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. What does that mean? Jump to verse, let's go to verse 37 for time's sake. He begins to explain the parable. He tells them in verse 36, He's, they, he said, I'm going to, they, they ask him to explain the parable. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed, what kind of seed? Good Good seed, is the son of man. Who's the son of man? Jesus. Jesus is the son of man, also known as the son of God. Son of God and son of man, because he was born of a woman. So he's also son of man, but he was son of God, and that his father was, was God and not Joseph. So now he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Here's one thing we need to understand. the good seed comes from the Son of God. The good seed comes from Jesus. He sows good seed." James 1:17, "Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. He sows good seed. Two things. It tells me, he sows good seed, and it tells me that Jesus also believes in the principle of sowing. He sows. He sows good seed. We'll find out what the good seed here is in just a minute. So now let's go back to verse 25. But while so he's the king of heaven like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So while men slept, his enemy came. When did the enemy come? While men slept. So while men slept, the enemy came. The word slept there is the opposite of being alert and aware. How many has ever experienced this, that whenever you've taken the foot off the gas in your relationship with God or any other area of your life, when you begin to lax and lay back and kind of take it easy, that is when the enemy can come in and catch you off guard? You know, when you are going good and, and you're in church and everything's going well and man, you're really doing things like you want, but if you ever just you know relax and begin to get on cruise control and take it easy, that while you're sleeping, you may not be literally sleeping, but spiritually sleeping, that's when the enemy can come in and begin to plant seeds the opposite. Here's what I believe is happening in our world. The enemy is planting seeds while the bride of Christ, the church at large, is sleeping. While we're sleeping on our laurels and our convictions and trying not to offend anybody, the enemy is sowing seed everywhere. While we're worried too much about what people think, the enemy doesn't care what people think. He's sowing towards his agenda while we're not sowing towards God's agenda in general. All right, so let's see what that looks like. So the enemy came and he says he sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The enemy came. So Jesus is sowing good seed, says then while people are sleeping, the enemy came and sowed. So there's a second sower. In our world, there's two people sowing seeds, God and the enemy. We'll talk about that more in just a second. So there's a second sower. What is he sowing? He's sowing tares. What are tares? I like this definition of tares. It is false grain. A weed, listen to this a weed nearly indistinguishable from wheat until the ear appears. It's a weed, a tear is a weed that comes up among. Notice what he said, he sowed tares among the wheat, like in the midst of the wheat, wheat representing sons of the kingdom. He sowed tares among them, in the middle of them, and these tears, everything about them, it's nearly indistinguishable from the wheat until the ear appears. Everything about it looks so much like the real thing, but it doesn't produce fruit. Here's what Jesus is saying in this parable: It's that the enemy is sowing seeds into this world. Let's go over. Um, let me let me give you the scripture first. Matthew chapter seven verse fifteen. It says, "Beware of false prophets." You know what false prophets, prophets are? Those are people that are pretending to be prophets. False prophets are not Satan worshipers. They're not wearing a big neon sign saying, I worship Satan. False prophets are people who come to you in the name of the Lord. Come to you saying they're on God's side. They're false prophets. They're prophesying falsely. We're going to need to know about that. Let me come back. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing... On the outside, they look like a sheep, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Be ready. Be ready. That's what's happening in our world. There's going to be a distinguishing between who are the sheep and who are not the sheep. But a lot of them will going to look like sheep on the outside. Look like the indistinguishable all going to look like Christians. We're all Christians. I, I read the other day that 90-some percent of Congress identify as Christians. Don't judge them. I just read a fact. That's just what it said. Whether they are or not, is between them and God. But I'm saying we can say a lot of things, but our fruit will bear it out. Because look what it says. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorns, bushes, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. By their fruits you'll know them. Now let's go to verse 38. He sowed good seed in his field. What is the field? Verse 38 tells us, the field is the world. The world that we live in, okay? So look around you in the world we live in. The good seeds, what are the good seeds? The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Notice I didn't say sons of the church. Sons of the kingdom. Difference. But the tares, what are the tares? The tares are the sons of the wicked one. So the enemy is sowing tares that look like the sons of the kingdom, but they're actually sons of the wicked one. And they're indistinguishable up to the point that fruit is produced. So the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So look at verse 26. Look what happens. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares... Also appeared. Now, wait a minute. Look at this. When the grain, it's talking about the wheat, had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Now, when the tares appeared, is that the first time they were there? No. They were there all along. They were indistinguishable all along. But the only time they became distinguishable was when the real, genuine thing began to produce fruit. And when the real, genuine thing began to produce a harvest or a crop, all of a sudden the counterfeit was exposed. The counterfeit was there all along. It looked like a Christian, talked like a Christian, walked like a Christian, but it did not produce fruit. And the only way you could tell them apart is when the real, genuine follower of Jesus, son of the kingdom, daughter of the kingdom, began to produce fruit of the kingdom, that's when you begin to see the counterfeit. So how are we going to know who to follow and whose sons and who's not? not? We're not to determine that. We're not to judge people whether they're Christians or not. Our job is to produce fruit. My job is not to point, well, they're not a Christian, they're not a Christian. That's not my job. That's God's job. My my job is to be a Christian, to be a son of the kingdom, to produce fruit of the sons of the kingdom. And if I will produce fruit, then the counterfeit will be exposed and, and God will handle all that. But our job is to really be... A follower of Jesus, the son of the kingdom. But the problem is, the wheat and the tares are amongst each other. They're in the church. It's not that the tares are out there and the wheat's in here. No, no, no. The tares are in here with the wheat. Tares are in here with the wheat. I'm not pointing you out. I don't know who it is. I'm just saying... I'm not, when I say tares, I'm not talking about those that are lost, that have never accepted Jesus. We, we want them to be in the house of God. A tear represents someone who's in the house of God, pretending to be a part of the house of God, pretending to be like everybody else, but inwardly, they've never repented and never made Jesus the Lord of their life. They're just going through the motions and showing up at church and think that's good enough. That's a tear. So Jesus said, listen, uh, look at going to verse 27. He said, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, uh... Uh, uh, did you not sow good seed in your field? How come we got all these wicked people? Jesus, if you only sow good seed, how come we got all this wickedness in the world? Look at verse 28. He he gives you some theology lesson 101. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to then go and gather them up? Who sowed the tares into the world? Who sowed the sons of wickedness into the world? He says, an enemy has done it. An enemy has done it. So this would go against the ideology or the theology that God is sowing both good and evil and he's in control of all of it, working it towards his purpose. Jesus said, no, I do not sow the sons of wickedness. An enemy did that. An enemy did that. So we have two sowers in our world. Why is there wickedness in the world? Why are there bad things in the world? Because we have an enemy. We have an enemy in this world. When I did the funeral this week for C.J. Richardson, and please continue to pray for Kevin and Tina and their family. We just love them and and so thankful for what God is doing to give them strength and peace. One of the things that God asked me to do, one of the most difficult funerals I've ever done, 18-year-old boy needlessly gone, but I said I'm going to honor four people in this funeral. Number one, I'm going to honor his friends. His friends because his friends have been amazing. I'm going to honor his parents. I'm going to honor CJ. And I'm going to honor God. In the last part, in honoring God, I wanted to clarify all the comments that I kept hearing of Chad, why? Why? Boy, these times you just don't understand why. and, And you just don't know. And why God? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes stop. Do not lay this at the feet of God. God is not killing 18-year-old boys. He is the one who come to give us life and life more abundantly. He's not the one stealing, killing, and destroying. That's not in his agenda. We have tragedies. We have accidents that happen in our world because there is an enemy at work against all of us. He would take all of us out in a moment if he could. So God is not the one destroying and taking lives out. He's not the one that said, oh, well, it's CJ's time. It was not his time. Tragedy happened and tragedy took him and God blessed the family that remained. But we will not lay it at the feet of God and say, you are the one killing people. He sows good seed. He sows good seed. We have an enemy that's sowing tares. That's why Jesus said there's wickedness in the world. And they said, well, hey, they said, all right, Jesus, well, you you want us to go and gather up all this wickedness out of the world? And he said, no, 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 look at verse 30. He said, no, let both grow together until when? Until the harvest. Until the harvest. Until the harvest. And I will say to the reapers, first... Oh, notice the order. This is interesting. First gather together the, surely the wheat first. No, no, no. 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 He said, first gather together the, the tares and bind them up in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus, what do you mean? Explain the parable. That's why we have the other verses. Go to verse 39. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. We have an enemy called the devil who's sowing evil into this world. We have an adversary. We have an accuser of the brethren. We have opposition. 1 Peter 5, 8 talks about the adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring roaring lion, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But then in, in Revelation chapter 12, we also have this adversary and enemy. And here's what it says. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. We have an accuser, but our accuser has his day coming. He has every time the enemy comes come to talk smack to you, tell he's going to do, just take him to Revelation chapter 12 and just say, excuse me, devil, I want to read verses 10 and 11 to tell you what's going to happen to you. You can accuse me all day long, but there's coming a day that you are going to be cast down. And I have overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. And I will not love this life, even if it costs me death, because though you slay me, I still will live forever. We cannot be afraid. Cannot be afraid. Let's finish what he says. So the harvest is the end of the age. When is the end of the age, Chad? I don't know. I'm not sure. I am not in the camp, theologically, and I've said this many times, and you can disagree, and that's totally fine. I am not in the camp of it can happen any moment, and I've talked about that a little bit in our end time series, but I, I am more in the camp of, I believe, that he, Jesus is going to return and fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall, which happens. It's the only feast right up before the, uh, the Day of Atonement, and uh, I don't want to get into all that, but anyway, that's when I believe he's, he's going to return, but... You know, you can take your best guess as well. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered, here's what I want to say. Listen to this wording, okay? I want your attention for just a moment. I want to slow down and get this because I feel like the Holy Spirit's really on me right here. What I'm getting ready to read are the words of Jesus in red. They're not to frighten anyone, to scare anyone, but is to speak the truth and give your perspective. There's coming an end of this age. One thing I said to the, to the kids, it was to everyone, eternity is waiting for all of us. We are not promised that we will live to 98 years old. We're not promised that we'll live to 20. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I just need to know how I'm going to live. And so what God is telling us right here is how things are going to be in the end And we need to know where we stand in the end. Are you ready? Okay. Just reading from the red. This is Jesus. Therefore, as the tares, sons of the wicked one, are gathered and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom. He will get them out of his kingdom. He's going to, there's going to be a separation out of his kingdom. Here's what he's going to gather out of his kingdom. All things that offend, offend what? Offend the word of God. Not offend people. We're more worried about offending people than we are offending the word of God. We need to be more concerned about the things that offend the Holy Spirit than we are offend the personality of people. It is, oh Jesus, it is not unloving. It is not unloving to tell someone the truth about what the word of God says for their life. It is uh, is unloving to offend the one who died to make us free. That is what unloving is. But he's gonna take away everything that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. What is this? is not to get someone scared and say, oh, so I don't know whether I'm saved because I sinned. Practice lawlessness. There's a distinguishment here in this scripture. Those, it's not about... Uh, Well, nobody's perfect. We understand that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's what the scripture is saying. I'm talking about those who willingly and knowingly reject Jesus as Lord and Savior and do not make him the Lord of their life. Those who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is lawlessness against the word, not the speed limit. That may apply too. I don't know. I don't want to take that up. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. Stay focused. But lawlessness is lawlessness against God's laws and not man's laws. So here's what I mean. It's not for me to get to wonder, oh, I did something wrong. Am I going to be burning in hell for the rest of my life? No, no, no. It's not about my perfection that gets me into heaven. It's the grace of God through Jesus Christ. There's a difference. I can be a son of the kingdom and still sin. But I cannot be a son of the kingdom and continually practice lawlessness. Come on. I can't habitually, knowingly reject the laws and principles of God and live for myself and do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. With no consequence, that is practicing lawlessness. So this is what's going to happen at the end of the age. He said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here's what God is saying. I I just feel Jesus urging us in this moment. Hey, there's coming an end of the age. And we keep pushing it back. And I said this to the kids. We all believe we're going to live forever. We think, well, you know what? That's not going to happen to me. I've got time. When I get older and I get done, i got to have some me time, man. i got to have me some fun time, and I've got to enjoy this. Let me tell you, God's ways are the best ways. I've lived for both kingdoms, and I will speak from my heart. Living as a son of the kingdom is way better than living as a son of the wicked one who steals, kills, and destroys I would rather live for the one who died for me and gave his life for me He fills me with love and joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and faith. He fills me with all that than to live for the one that's full of deceit, lying, and hatred, and vile bitterness, and unforgiveness. That's his kingdom. He says at the end of the age, there's going to come a separation. But he said, for right now, let the wheat and the tares grow together. And here's what happens. When the wheat begin to show fruit that I'm a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden the tares stand out. Here's what I believe is coming. I say this with all seriousness. I believe there's coming increased opposition to the body of Christ. I believe this with all my heart. I believe there's going to come more resistance and opposition that what we've enjoyed freely will now come with a price. You say, well, I don't believe. That's okay, and maybe I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. But I believe there's got to be a distinguishing that comes between the wheat and the tare. There'll be a separation between the sheep and the goats. Because remember, the tares look like the sheep, or look like the wheat until it was a time of harvest and here's what I believe is going to reveal the fruit it's going to reveal the fruit when all of a sudden it's not popular to come to church it's not it's not uh, acceptable to come to church now it's going to cost you something to come now it may cost you reputation now it may cost you job now it may cost you family it may cost you friends oh we won't see any of that let's just keep kicking that can down the road I never thought we would see some of the things we're seeing right now. I never thought in my wildest dreams that someone could tell me where to go buy food and where not to go buy food. But I heard the other day something that I'll talk about more later. I'm not going to mention that today. I just shot that rabbit. He was getting ready. He was scurrying right under there. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Here's what's happening. The wheat and the tares are growing, and I'm not accusing people, I don't know who you are, whether you're wheat or tear. this morning, you and God know, you and God know. Here's what I'm giving you opportunity today is to become wheat, become a son of the kingdom. Get out of playing, going through the motions and give your heart to Jesus to truly repent of sin and say, God, come into my life. I want you to be Lord because this separation is coming and I, I don't want to be thrown in a fire where they'll be weeping and, or wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't want be part of that. I don't want any part of that. That doesn't sound good, cool to me. That doesn't sound like a good time. I want to live for Jesus because he's the one that's going to cause us to shine. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.